What just happened? I just took your hat. See, I can be funny too. My my joke is that I I took your hat. Well, that 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 is funny. <laughs> can I have it back? No. No? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I think you're very funny. Kudos on that hat joke. <laughs> but come on, guys, just just give him back the hat. Why should we? Because it's a special hat. See, he bought it because he was feeling really down one day, so he got the hat to cheer himself up, you know? That Chandler, you would Stop talking. Stop talking now. <laughs> Let me just get this straight. You're actually stealing my hat? You got a problem with that? No, just want to make sure we're on the same page. Only a model. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And I was so ready to hate this episode. I know. I was like, oh no, another Merida episode. This is basically the last Merida episode. I looked into it. She does get like little stuff to do later. She's going to be in the show for a while. But she's going to be in the show in the same way Ruby was in the show for the first few Ruby. seasons. Ruby. Gosh, I haven't heard that name in a dog's age oh sorry that just occurred to me and i couldn't help myself but this is an episode where the plot does not move forward at all and i could care less you know why because the show really needs more breather episodes no fairy tale girl gang this is season five episode nine the bear king which means we are in book seven it's only a model i don't know why they have a previously on i mean I guess to remind us of the Meredith stuff, but basically none of the other things matter. Well, what I think is interesting is that the last two episodes happened simultaneously. The flashback events of the bear and the bow and the flashback events of birth happened at the same time. And now Arthur and Zelina and Merida are all coming together. No one had any questions about Belle. Yeah, it's really mean. We're basically going to be all flashback this episode. This is this is another nested flashback. Like I said, these are the events from the last two episodes flashbacks. And then we're flashing back from there to two years prior when Merida's father died in battle. Remember we heard about that? Merida shot an arrow, but her heart wasn't true enough to make it hit the guy who was going to stab him. The helmed man whose face she's never seen hmm wonder if he'll be someone remember the rules about characters who wear helmets it's not to protect your face it's if you're an attractive lady or if you're a character uh we've seen before that the uh writers want to hide from the uh, audience and you know that it's not to protect your face because you will lift up the helm at plot significant moments and honestly Plot significant moments are when you're most likely to get hit in the face with an arrow. So a brief reminder, in the past-ish, King Arthur and Zelina are working together for some reason. I get why he recruited her, because he really needs a powerful magic user. She doesn't really have a good reason to stick around with him. She thinks that once he has Excalibur combined, he'll be able to protect her and her unborn child from Regina. 
she tells us that in the bizarrely informational exposition dump that we get at the beginning of this episode. Oh, yeah. Arthur has a giant, as you know, Bob. But I don't get it. I mean, Regina has other shit to deal with. Zelina could just leave. Zelina could leave and be safe and no one would come after her if she left the baby behind. But Robin Hood wouldn't rest until he had his kid back and Regina would go with him. Yeah, but I mean, they'd have to push that back to after they're done dealing with the Dark Emma stuff because no way Regina's going to leave Emma hanging, which gives Selena a pretty big head start. Yeah, but Selena knows that they're on episode like nine so that's going to get resolved pretty soon. That's giving Zelina way more credit than I would give her. So, Arthur's <laughs> still talking about how they need to combine the sword and the dark one dagger so he can rule... I don't know. I, I have no clue either. This is apparently before the whole hostage situation where he got control over Merlin... No, no, this is after the events of the flashback from last episode, so this is right after Emma has shown up, gotten Merlin to shake off the control, and then taken both halves of the sword and Merlin. Right, right, because the reason he needs the thing he's going to be after this episode is so that he can... We'll get into it. It's dumb. It is really dumb, and it is also... like It's really, really MacGuffin-y. The idea that you're in a world lousy with magical items, and you need this specific one right now is pretty, pretty convenient. Especially considering once we find out what the item does, it seems like something Arthur would have had use for maybe a few years ago, but definitely not now. Also, Arthur has already quested for it, and spoilers for the end of this episode, when he got what he thought was that item, it wasn't magical, and I don't know why he would assume that the actual helm is still out there instead of that the helm was only a legend and not real. When we find out what Arthur's motivation for doing the thing that he did this episode is, it also still doesn't make sense. Wait, why would he have even heard of the helm? Wait. How did he know what to think the helm was when he took it off of Fergus? No, there is literally no reason for Arthur to do any of the things he does in this episode. Okay, well, this is all... Let's skip over all of the plot holes and get to the parts that are good. A thing I'm sure was said many times in the Once Upon a Time writer's room. God, if we did that, we'd be skipping over basically most of the episode. So, the episode proper opens i say the episode proper even though we had that little scene with arthur and Zelina. it's not proper till merida's on screen well no i think of the part of the episode with arthur and Zelina as more of the previously on because it's just them recapping more okay speaking of things that get said over and over and over again mm -hmm. i'm gonna say this right now and then many times for the next hour all right did they even watch Brave? Hmm. Mm. See, I was going to suggest that we rewatch Brave before diving more into the Brave stuff. But then I was I went, thinking about that too. Yeah, but then I was like, you know what? The writers clearly didn't rewatch Brave. Why should we? Okay, she is at Merida. Merida is at Fergus's grave, and she's all sad, which is fine and makes sense because he was her father. 
And she's talking about how hard it's going to be to lead the kingdom. And she just wishes there was someone she could talk to who knew what it was like to lead a kingdom. She, she had to have forgotten what actually happened in the movie. Because as we see repeatedly in the movie, Eleanor is the one who's leading the fucking kingdom. Oh, wait, you know what? Maybe Eleanor is not around in Once Upon a Time either. Yeah, I mean, we did mention a few times in the last Merida episode that Eleanor never shows up. And, uh, I don't know. I was going to apologize for that because someone calling herself Eleanor shows up in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Queen Eleanor is there next to Merida at the fucking grave like... Yes, I wish your father was here too, which makes sense because of course you miss your husband. He certainly was the only one who understood how diplomacy worked amongst the clans. So this clearly isn't Eleanor? Because Eleanor was pretty big on teaching Merida how to fucking lead the country because that's what Eleanor was doing in the movie. King Fergus is the guy who's like big and beefy and he leads armies into battle. Eleanor's the one who actually runs the goddamn country. To be fair to Once Upon a Time, I really like to give Once Upon a Time credit because one of the things that they do really well is cast actors who actually look like the characters they're supposed to look like. Ariel looked like Ariel. Elsa looked like what a human Elsa would look like. Apparently the guy who normally does that had maybe the day off when it came to casting Eleanor. Maybe he was a fan of the movie Brave and refused to act like this was actually Queen Eleanor. Because this woman does not look a thing like Eleanor. I guess she sort of has a silver streak in her hair. Also, she's not wearing an outfit that calls back to Eleanor's outfit at all. Which, again, is okay. I mean, Snow White's outfit doesn't call back to Snow White, but... Really, the modern princesses, people from the modern movie, have looked dead on like their characters, and... Even Merida, who, as I think I pointed out a few times, has a distracting Kristen Wiggish air about her, still looks enough like Merida, where you see her and you're like, yeah, Merida. Well, also, they put her in a terrible red wig and an outfit that calls back to Merida's outfit. At least put Eleanor in some distinctive green garb. And it's so weird because they went fairly over the top to get, you know, dudes who look like the three clan sons. But Eleanor is comforting Merida by her father's grave about how her father was a great leader and Merida will figure it out because she's his daughter and his leadery blood runs through her veins and whatnot. Also, I just I feel like I want to point out. Two episodes ago, I theorized that the country was Dunbrah, and there were only the three clans, and the royal family was drawn from the three clans, but this episode confirms that that very cool idea is not the case. Clan Dunbrah is its own clan. Mm. Just throwing that out there. So we flash back to about the time where Merida's dad totally ate it. Well, actually, this is a few years before. it. The Chiron tells us it's several years ago, but we do know that it is after the period where brave happened yes we see fergus riding up on his horse and he gets off the horse and you see just his bottom half so you can see his peg leg as he dismounts and then he pulls down his face concealing cloak to reveal that it's fergus and it has and god if they couldn't be bothered with decent hair that goes on the head you don't even want to know what they glued to his face i'm getting hercules the legendary journeys flashbacks here 
I just wanted to bring up that they do show his peg leg at the very beginning because for the rest of the episode, he will do this weird limp thing, but they won't actually show his bottom half because I guess it was too complicated for them to do that. Hmm. This quick shot is, as far as I can tell, the only time we actually see the peg leg. So he has arrived at the witch's cottage. You may remember her as the witch from Brave. And every Miyazaki movie. Yes. They did a good job with her. She looks like the witch from the movie. Yes, she does. This is a running thing throughout this episode. The characters who are like sort of peripheral to the story are way more engaging and likable. And I I would really much rather watch a, an episode that's just about this lady. I do like her and I like the way that the actress played her. I just was the whole time thinking this could have been Emma. This could have been... Morgan Le Fay. Oh, Mad Madam Mim. Mad Madam Mim. Who apparently has at least one fan amongst our listeners. So anyway, the king has shown up to this witch's cottage because he needs something for an upcoming battle. Okay, but first he does that really annoying... He draws his sword on her and he's all like, oh, I'm all imposing and threatening, but actually I need a favor for you. That was a fake out. Yeah, he's like... You turned my wife and sons into a bear. I need your help. And she's like, okay, but you're going to owe me a favor. He's like, so should I ask what that favor is? And she's like, nah, it'll be fine. Nope, just sign this binding contract. It all worked out. I want to point out this witch is not like a particularly powerful or special witch. So the fact that Arthur has Zelina in his service and yet he's looking for a piece of her magic is deeply, deeply pointless. Actually, well, so we'll talk about that. I, I actually have stuff to say about that in a, in a few scenes. But it's funny because when Fergus went to her, I thought, come on, Fergus, you know that she only has one spell and that's turning people into bears. And then I thought, oh, if you're working, that would be very useful. Yeah, just turn into a bear and maul the shit out of people. I mean, Mordu was good at what he more did. Yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't turn him into a bear, though. She gives him a magic helmet, and she tells him that if he wears it into battle, he will... Get exactly what he needs. Yes. The idea is that it will rally his men. And the darker idea is that it will control his men, and they will fight his battles for him, even if they wouldn't want to, you know, given free will. Yeah, that's just implied, though. It's not outright stated. It's not outright stated at this point. It is stated at the end of the episode. Yeah, it comes up later. But as for right now, it's just implied. So back in the middle present, the hot son of the clans is presenting Merida with a crown so she can officially become queen. Why is Eleanor not still ruling? I. This is probably one of those kingdoms where it doesn't pass through marriage. Uh, but through blood. Yeah. I also don't get if they weren't going to accept Merida as queen, why wouldn't they have just had one of King Fergus's sons be king? I mean, because it was never about not- Gender. Okay, I'm so glad you said that because that's the other thing that makes me really upset this episode. When we cut back to two years ago, which is when the flashback is set, when they were fighting the battle, all of a sudden these guys are raging misogynists. We did not see that. It's true that 
there was kind of a feminist empowerment message in that Meredith didn't want to feel confined to the roles of a queen. She wanted to be able to do things that were traditionally reserved for men. But there weren't really a lot of people stopping her from doing that, other than her mother, whose main concern was, you need to also learn the diplomatic arts. Yeah, because one of the big things about that movie was, hey, don't reject stuff that's feminine just because it's not making you into an action hero. That stuff is actually really important to leading a goddamn country. But the men of the other clans didn't think that she was weak because she was a woman. They all saw her shoot at the beginning of the movie. And also, a big thing throughout the movie Brave, unless I'm misremembering, which it's been a while, is how much all of the other clans respected Eleanor. That is definitely a thing. Also, I know that the idea was they kept it secret, but I'm sure there's lots of people who whisper, don't piss off Merida, she'll turn your ass into a bear. So the way they treat her, especially during the flashback, which, as I said, happens after the events of Brave, makes zero sense if you have seen the movie Brave. So I think this is the second time I'm going to say it. The writers of Once Upon a Time clearly did not watch the movie Brave. Yeah, none of them were in conflict with her at any point during that movie. They barely show up in that movie. And at the end of the movie, they're like, yeah, we're not exactly thrilled about the arranged marriage thing either. We're just going to push that off to a future date. Like, there's never a point where any of them is outwardly sexist, so it seems weird. And the thing is, it's very inconsistent in this show. Right, because that's what they're using as the reason they're not going to bow to her, but then they they have a pretty quick heel turn. So what exactly is happening? This kind of goes back to the thing we brought up last time about how the people of the country of Dunbrook seem to change their minds willy-nilly about deeply held beliefs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you shot Nero really good? Okay, you can be queen. Oh, wait, you you, you didn't shoot Nero so good one time? I'm not sure I want you to be queen now. Oh, nope, you shot Nero good again. We're cool. Yeah, pretty much. So Merida is about to be crowned when, uh-oh, it looks like you didn't invite a magical person to a ceremony. Okay, I really like this because, yes, that's exactly what it is. And usually it's a wedding or a christening, things which are, as I say, coded female. But here, it's a coronation. So I love it. And yeah, anyway. Merida's outright aggressive towards this lady. She pulls a sword on her. It's the witch. Merida draws the sword and she's all, is this about the magic I took? And the witch is like, well, you, you begged me for magic. And, you know, like, there, there was a whole thing here. Like... We did not have an antagonistic relationship in the movie. Are we just, is, did the movie not happen? Because you're acting like it did, but clearly it didn't. Yeah. But anyway, the witch is like, no, it's not about that. It's about an IOU your dad wrote to me. Now, I was going to collect from him, but whoopsie doodles, you got him killed. So instead, I'm, I, I need you to give me 10 bajillion dollars. And Meredith's like, I can't give you ten bajillion dollars. That's not a real number. And the witch is all, well, I guess you do have the, all, you know, you do also have the option of just returning the helm I made for your dad to me, and then you won't owe me squat. And Merida tells her, I don't have the helm. And the witch gives her a very witchy time limit, 
and tells her that she must return it by sundown or else she will curse the kingdom. Sundown tomorrow. Yes. So she has a day. Keep that in mind because it makes a lot of what she does later weird and pointless. You know, I hadn't really thought about the fact that she has basically a 24-hour time limit. Because the events that happen should take way more than 24 hours. It's like, this should be over the course of weeks, possibly months. So, when I went to Rome, I decided it would be the right time to read Angels and Demons. Uh, did you map out how long it would take What's-His-Face to get from point A to point B to point C? Robert Langdon, and actually I decided to do it, because he's visiting, um works of art so i thought it would be a pretty cool tour so i first of all there is no way he was doing that on foot there is no way he was doing that as fast as the book said he was doing it i couldn't do it in a day also in the book they're like oh these landmarks form a perfect cross no they don't like only in the way that drawing two intersecting lines anywhere could be said to be a cross it's not a perfect cross robert langdon also, when I was in Rome, they were getting ready to film Angels and Demons, so every single piece of art that's mentioned in the book was closed uh. to be cleaned for the movie. So I was just going from tarp to tarp. Luckily, it was Rome, so like... There's cool stuff. Yeah, everywhere. I was like tripping over art. It was fine. But look, my point is a day is unrealistic. What's that thing they say about Dan Brown books? Like, they're really, really cool and informative and well-researched as long as they're not about something you know anything about. I haven't heard people say that, but I bet that's accurate. Yeah. So Merida has three options at this point. Either she returns her the helm her father got from the switch. She pays the witch a lot of money, more money than her kingdom has. Or the witch turns her kingdom into a kingdom of bears. Third option. Which, yeah, no, that sounds fucking awesome. I mean. Be queen of the bears. Yeah, the witch threatens her that way. She says, you will rule a kingdom of bears. And you and I simultaneously shouted, that would be awesome. Yeah, kingdom of bears. But no. Win, 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 right? Yeah. So Eleanor is digging through Ferguson's drawers to try to find the helm, which is optimistic of her. Right? And Meredith's like, uh, you're not going to find it there because the guy who killed dad kind of took it. Yeah, go figure. He was wearing his armor when he was killed in battle. Mm. So now Merida needs to go on an epic quest to find the guy who killed her dad and the off chance he still has this stupid fucking helm. But she has to do it within 24 hours. Yes. And hopefully this guy is still within finding distance. Also important here. The witch kind of taunted Merida about how her father was a bad king. And now Merida's all worried that he used magic with the helm. And as we know from the bow and the bear, if you use magic, you're a bad leader. You need to use force. Hmm. It's interesting how Merlin seemed to be doing a fairly stand-up job leading Camelot with magic. If you use magic, you're a bad leader. I, w I was going to cite another example, but I don't think we've seen any good kings or queens in this show up to this point. Outside of maybe Midas, who seemed to be using his powers for good. I mean, he's the only one who seemed to have a kingdom that didn't have any major issues. I, I, yes, I can't, I'm trying to think, I can't think of any other good kings. 
Anyway, there's a pointless squabble where Eleanor tries to convince Merida not to go after the knight who killed her father and get the helm back, which is ridiculous because what's your plan B, Eleanor? Kingdom of Bears. She was a bear. She's like, you can be a bear. It's fine. Yeah, it's a good point. Anyway, two years ago. Two years ago, they're getting ready to fight with an invading army when one of the clan sons decides it would be a good idea to sexually harass the king's daughter. Well, the king is standing right there. That yeah. always goes well for people. Seriously. But King Fergus does what is probably not the best thing to do. He's like, this is my daughter. And if any of you disrespect her, she's going to run crying to me and I'll take care of the situation. So calm down boys that will definitely make them respect her i do like her outfit i like her war outfit which is basically her blue dress but with leather armor over it yeah it's a neat outfit but she talks about how soft all of the men in their army are because they're writing love letters to their sweethearts which seems like a really weird assumption to make um also merida don't mock them for that if soldiers at war didn't write letters to their sweethearts back home, what would we read to narrate the Ken Burns documentary? Mm. So Fergus is like, hey, shut up. They're not writing love letters. They're writing their wills, which seems like kind of a little too late. But... Edgelordy? No, it's like, I'm so dark. I'm going to sit here and write my will. I'm like, deep and dark and also... I didn't think ahead and write my will when I was at home before I left for battle. Yeah, see, I didn't think of it as edgelordy so much as not having great uh, preparation skills. A thing like, can be two things. You do that before you leave. Also, really, they all forgot to write wills? Also, they're children. They're 18-year-old boys. What do they possibly have? Whoever kills me gets all my stuff, because I'm going to be wearing all my stuff. So whoever what? finds my corpse gets all my stuff. It's video game rules out here. Mm. So Merida's dad gives her his training bow. It was the first bow he ever took into battle. So it's not a training bow, but... It's a really old bow. That, you know, let her use a goddamn new bow. I know symbolism or whatever, but... I don't know how bows work. I don't know if newer is better. I Well... I know you have to replace the string every so often because it wears out. he replaced the string. But he's like, so since you're about to go into battle, it seems like now would probably be a good time for you to learn how to fight. It's yeah. You know what a good time to learn to fight is? Right before you go into battle. Isn't she going to be with the archers anyway? Shouldn't she be with the archers anyway? Okay. Actually, you talked me into being okay with this. With her multi-classing? No, probably the plan is for her to be with the archers. And Fergus is probably thinking she should know close in melee fighting in case the line breaks and the archers find themselves in hand-to-hand. -hand. Ah. So... Which explains both why she wasn't previously trained and why she needs to be trained on a sword. Hmm. He tells... You're complaining, talked me into it. <laughs> so... He tells her he's got someone to teach her how to, you know, do the hand-to-hand -hand stuff. And she's like, how dare you get a man to teach me how to fight? And the trainer kicks her ass, knocks her to the ground, removes their helm, and it's Mulan. And she says, I am no man. Yeah, remember earlier when we were talking about how uh, 
when someone takes their helmet off, it's either because they're a sexy lady or because they're a previously introduced character. This one's both. Yeah. Also, Mulan was introduced with this very trope. Does she she gets she gets a twofer on this one? Yeah. Also, Mulan shows up and makes us wish that she was the main character of this show. Because in this one episode, she has more motivation and arc than basically anyone else this season. Although I am really upset about what's happening with Mulan. Why Why is she even in the Enchanted Forest? Yep. Why is she not with the Merry Men? Yeah, what happened to that? We don't actually get a good explanation for that. I mean, the explanation is that she doesn't want to talk about it, but... I want to hear it, girl! Yeah, you clearly have so much stuff going on. Why isn't the show about Jamie Chung? We cut from Mulan being a badass lady warrior in the past to her being a different kind of badass lady warrior in the future. Yes, in the past, she's all about, I'm going to teach you about honor and fighting with honor. Yeah, she didn't mention honor much in the previous things we've seen her in, but now she is super about honor. You know, she's enough about honor in the Mulan movie that I will allow it. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. It just seems like, okay, so were they watching Mulan instead of... uh... Instead of Brave? (laughs) Yeah. That is a hilarious idea. I kind of love the idea that they were supposed to watch Brave, and then they started watching Mulan instead, and then they realized it was getting late, and so they quickly wrote this episode without rewatching Brave. That's my Once Upon a Time writer's room fan fiction. That's what I assume happened in the writer's room. Because you know who else had a father who was, you know, a warrior, and he had some difficulty walking, so she took his place in battle? Holy shit. Holy shit! Yeah. Yeah. But we cut to Mulan in the present being... Slightly in the past, but the present for this episode, where she is on a little bit of a Jessica Jones bender. Yeah, she is, uh, she's some sort of enforcer now. Yep, she goes around beating up dudes for somebody. We're not really clear on this, and it doesn't super matter. Yeah, but she beats up a bunch of dudes. Bunch of randos in a bar, and Merida shows up, and Merida's like, I blew who knows how many of my 24 hours looking for you, and look at you, you're mildly disheveled. What the hell's wrong? Well, I assume Merida saw her shaking down guys, and, you know, she used to be all about honor, and now she's all about that giant chest of gold coins. Yes, she beats up all the guys, and she takes a giant chest of gold coins for them. And she tells Merida, honor won't fill my purse. Hmm. Merida offers to pay her a bunch of money if she- But not as much as is in that chest. Yeah, Merida tosses her a tiny bag of coins and she's like, if it's gold you're looking for, then you should help me out anyway because I've got gold for you. If honor isn't enough. Okay, fine, whatever. Mulan says she will help on one condition. And that condition is that Merida does not ask her to fill in her backstory as to where she's been. Fuck you! It's sort of the Lancelot- Lancelot, weren't you dead? Don't worry about it. Yeah, except that clearly a lot of interesting stuff has had to happen to bring you to this point. Merlin, how did you appear to me as an usher when I was a kid when you were stuck in a tree? Don't worry about it. It's fine. All these characters are doing really, really interesting stuff off screen so we can focus on, I don't know, Mary Margaret sighing dramatically or, oh, Zelina. 
Ugh. Speaking of Zelina, we're still in the present, and now we are with Zelina and Arthur looking for the helm. So they break into the witch's cottage, and they encounter a wolf. Hmm. It's been a while since we've seen a wolf, right? It has been a while since we've seen a wolf. But Zelina poofs the wolf into unconsciousness. She actually uses a powder, which is important. Yes. Poppy powder? It's not said, but we can assume. Sure. And the witch emerges from the corner and is like, Hey, I don't like when people throw shit at my guard dogs and make them pass out. Okay, given what... We'll need to talk about this later, but the witch has enslaved this wolf. Yes, I think that that makes my interpretation of the end of this episode correct. And like you said, we'll talk about it when we get there. So the witch is like, do you know how dumb it is to break into a witch's house? And Selena's like, well, I'm a much more important character than you, so fuck you. Do what we want or I'm going to drown you in this motherfucking cauldron, motherfucker. I mean, to be fair, Zelina is a much more powerful witch than this witch, so. So why are they wasting their time looking for the thing that this witch created? Clearly Zelina could just recreate it like she did the fucking Excalibur Dark One dagger. Don't think about it too hard, Max. She could just whip up another one right now. The witch's spellbook is right there. She could whip up another helm. We saw the witch make the helm for Fergus. But instead of doing that, instead of making a helm for Arthur, and then maybe asking for a boon from the King of England, instead she just tells him that she doesn't have the helm and she sent Merida looking for it. Also, she used some of Fergus's hair to create the helm the first time around, so why would it even work for someone who wasn't him? Or related to him. Or related to him. Or wearing the same terrible wig. Mm. Well... Theoretically, he could- The wig is buried with him? Well, I was gonna say, theoretically, since stuff apparently doesn't biodegrade here, could probably just find the wig and, uh- There's no way that wig biodegrades. But yes, you are correct. We cut from the witch telling Zelina and Arthur that she doesn't have the helm anymore, but they can blah 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 locate her spell, find it, blah. So Arthur and Zelina are off to find Merida, who is looking for the helm, so that they can find the helm. And we cut to Merida and- Mulan looking for the helm. And what they find... They go to the battlefield where the battle took place. Yes, and they find an arrow sticking out of the ground. And it is an it is the arrow that Merida fired, trying and failing to protect her father. It... Somehow, it has been stuck in the ground for two years and not disturbed. It, see... When she fired the arrow, it missed the guy who killed her father, but it caught some of his cloak. Which is still wrapped around the arrow's shaft. Yeah, so it's been two years, the arrow's still there, that piece of the cloak is still there. Mulan's like, okay, so- What?! Yeah. Mulan's like, okay, so we got this, and apparently that'll help us track the dude. Well, they're gonna go back to the witch and have the witch cast a locator spell. Which, smart. But Merida stops her because she's like, no, seriously, what happened, backstory-wise? And Mulan's like, aren't we on, like, a really, really specific timeline here? And Merida's like, you knew my dad, be sad that he's dead. Which I think is a valid emotion. I guess, but, I mean, she was sad he was dead when it happened. It's been two years, Merida. Two years. It's not like she didn't know Fergus was dead. She was there when he died. Anyway, two years ago, Mulan and Merida were 
training. And Merida managed to knock Mulan down because the, what, day and a half they've had to do this has taught Merida to be an expert fighter. They got a montage! They didn't actually get a montage. There was a montage off screen and now Merida knows how to fight. It's implied that we're stepping in at the end of a montage. We- this show was literally too lazy to even give us a montage. We literally had an off-screen montage. The hot clan son's like, ooh, congratulations, a girl beat another girl. And Meredith's like, you're the girl, girly man. And I'm like, what? What maybe, is the message here? Yeah, maybe don't be shouting gendered insults at people. Also, okay, two episodes ago, they were giving us mostly wide shots so we could see all the woad. And I just have to say... His face is so pretty. Yeah. I mean, he's not Merlin, but... Yeah, no. He's a acceptably hot replacement for when we don't have Merlin in these episodes. I would mix my jeans with his and make royal babies. Yeah. Plus, he's got pretty good pecs. I'm not surprised that he's wandering around topless in fake Scotland. But you have to imagine, not the best environment for being topless in. Good point. Well, he does have he does have a cloak thrown over his shoulders. Well, he's pulling an Emma Frost, where he's got a giant fur coat on, and yet he is still showing all of his boobs. Yes, that's exactly what's happening. Um, he's got a weird chain thing holding his cloak closed. By the way, yeah, I don't get that. It looks like he bought a piece of chain at Home Depot to close it. It looks like he's starting a Power Girl cosplay. Since we're talking about unrealistic boob armor, let's spare a moment for Mulan, hmm. who is not wearing your typical unrealistic boob armor. She's she's not wearing the stuff where if you fell in it, it would pierce your sternum, but they still felt the need to give it just the tiniest little bit of boob. Yeah. Like, they didn't want to be unreasonable, but they still wanted to be clear that this is armor you could fuck. I don't get what the logic is there. Do they think it's supposed to be supportive? Just wear a bra under, like, plate. You probably have a corset under. Yeah, or whatever. I do have to say, uh, being a woman with large breasts who does want support when I'm going into battle, I would really want what Merida is wearing, which is an Elizabethan corset that just pushes you flat, holds everything in, and you can, like, run and fight and you don't have to wear a bra under it. This has been Tina's boob support minute. <laughs> but breasts aside... Merida wants to know how she's going to get these men to follow her into battle. And Mulan's like, look, lady, I don't know shit about leading people. What I'm good at doing. Uh, certainly not your people. Yeah, like, I'm good at killing dudes. Like, you want to learn how to kill dudes? Talk to me. You want to learn how to lead them? Why don't you talk to the guy with the stupid looking helmet? It really is stupid looking. And you know what's really stupid? It doesn't fit over the stupid looking wig. In the present, this is the dumbest thing. As soon as they pick up the cloak of the guy who killed her dad, Merida's like, we need to find a weaver so they can tell us where this cloak came from. It's CSI Dunbra! You have 24 hours! CSI Dunbra! Why would they give it that specific a time limit? She's not going to finish this mission within then. I just love the idea, like, the weaver's going to, like, look at the cloak, and he's going to be like, ah, we only sell this type of weave to three men. And two of them are dead, so here's the address of the third one. And then she'll go looking for him, and he won't be there, but there will be a guy loading boxes who's like, oh, yeah, Pendragon. I heard of him. Spoilers. But yeah, so Mulan uses her 
tracking skills. Her spider sense. She uses her spider sense to tell that someone is coming. And I say spider sense because it's completely useless because they're there like two seconds later. It's weird though. She she leans down, she touches the ground like she's looking at tracks, but then she's like, someone's coming and Arthur and Selena are standing in front of them. I thought she was feeling a vibration in the ground, which is also stupid because they teleported in. Yeah. So Arthur's like, where's the helm? I need it to save my kingdom. And Meredith says, the witch threatened your kingdom too. And he's like, no, shut up. I need the helm. It's fucking magic. Give me the helm so I can lead my people or whatever. This is important though, because, because Merida kind of lowers her bow at that point and is ready to team up with him when she thinks that his kingdom is in danger too. Mm. She's like, oh, she threatened your kingdom too? And clearly she's thinking, even though this man has just imprisoned her, if it's about saving his people, she will be on his side with him. Well, I mean, the clan sons were going to kill her uh, brothers and she's totally cool with them now, so. I'm just saying that as much as we were ragging on her two episodes ago, Merida is a good royal, especially graded on the curve that is the royals of Once Upon a Time. Yes. By the standards of Once Upon a Time, Merida is a good royal. And let's be honest, reality. Yeah. But not in other fictions. Right. Anyway, Merida gets all pissy when Arthur's like, no, it's magic and I need it to win the battle I'm about to fight. Merida's like, fuck you, my dad doesn't use magic. And Zelina's like, really? Really? With the bow? Do do you not get this? Bows are stupid. And she teleports it into her hand. And Merida's like, no, not my father's bow. Not the bow that my father owned like he owned that helm you're looking for. Right. So Zelina says that they're going to use the bow and cast a location spell and it will lead them to the helm. This seems like a very dubious use of location spells to me. Don't locator spells usually just find the person? I mean, I know they're usually looking for people and not objects, but if I own object X owned by so-and-so, I can find object Y owned by so-and-so. Yes, this seems like a very iffy use of the spell to me. As a dungeon master, I would not allow it. Selena rolls a lot of natural 20s. Yeah, okay. Selena uses weighted die. I think that's the only reason. Yeah, no kidding. So, during this whole exchange, Merida is trying to kick Selena's ass, and Mulan is holding her back, and I'm like, I know Selena's powerful, but the two of you could probably take the two of them. This whole thing could have been over. I mean, Mulan... Went toe-to-toe with Korra. She can handle Zelina. Right? Like, you took down Mama Dragon. You don't need to be afraid of the Wervine that's flying around in her shadow. Right? Anyway, Merida is also really pissed because Arthur has told her what the helm does. And now that Zelina and Arthur are gone, she's just all alone and has lost faith in her father because she thinks he used magic to mind compel his troops to fight for him. And that's not cool. Yeah, Arthur's like, yeah, that helm makes dudes do whatever you tell them to do. We're going to find it, and I'm going to use it to inspire my army to beat the shit out of Merlin. And Selena's like, God damn it, is that what we're doing? And teleports them off. Yeah. And then Meredith's like, how can I lead a country if my father needed magic to lead the country? Okay, no, to be fair, finding out that your father was the king because he used magic to control people's minds. I mean, only assholes do that. You know who does that? 
like everyone on this show. I was going to say Arthur. Arthur's only the king because he used the powder to mind control people. See, it's like a parallel. I think Merida is right to be upset about her dad using mind control. Uh, She's pulling a Harry in book seven where she finds out that Dumbledore was actually kind of a sketchy dude. But like, like Harry, she has more important shit to deal with right now. Well, to be fair, she is dealing with it. I mean, mostly she's... Her sense of self is shaken, because if she's supposedly queen by divine right and her dad didn't deserve to be king, then she doesn't deserve to be queen. So her plan is to go back to the kingdom. How how long a day's ride do you think that is? Anyway, her plan is to go back to Dumbra and tell the clans that one of them needs to find the helm and whoever does gets to be king. We cut back to the past before the big battle. Merida is standing by the one lake set with her dad. So he's standing by the lake holding the plot significant helm and Meredith's like hey dad i have a really important question for you why do people follow you why are these people following you into battle even though they know a ton of them are super going to fucking eat it and he looks significantly at the magic helm and then he doesn't say the thing you know well if these people don't do this then invaders are going to come in they're going to murder their children rape their wives, they're gonna die anyway. No, that's true. But he says that people will follow him because they see that he is willing to die. Or that, I guess. Um, I I still think the more salient point is these dudes are going into battle because otherwise their homes will be destroyed. Yeah, but why is Fergus the one that they'll follow? Because he's got the most stuff to lose. (laughs) Because he's the king? Yep. He's got the fancy stuff that's gonna get wrecked by the invaders. (laughs) Oh... But anyway, no, he says that the king needs to be someone who will be first into battle, you know, first into battle, last leaving battle. Considering that that's what he thinks a king should be, maybe he and Eleanor should stop trying to discourage Merida from going into battle. Hmm. Yeah. But he's like, I'm not afraid. I faced down Mordu. And I'm like, hmm, yeah, but your wife is the one who kicked his ass. Ooh. Yeah, it's true. Hmm. But yeah. He's like, don't worry about me. I know I'm old and I can't walk very well, but I've got the bear spirit. I'm the bear king, which may be the title of this Drink. episode. Yeah. But Merida is inspired and she wanders off to leave Fergus to hold the helm ominously in front of the lake. So we cut from that to modern day Mulan, who has gone back to the witch's cottage. Yes. Oh. Let's go with cottage. Yeah, it's nicer. She brought the piece of cloak with her because she has a plan. Yes. Okay. So I'm so disappointed that the plot that this scene hints at does not end up happening. Uh, yeah. Um, yes, let's describe it. I was going to say let's leave it at that, but no, let's describe it and then leave it at that. So Mulan opens the door to the witch's house, hut, cottage. Only to find, whoa a wolf. Yep. Wolf jumps out at her, tackles her to the ground, and she's like... Wait a sec. You're not a wolf. Mulan is doing great in this situation, by the way. Mulan is straight up wrestling the wolf. She she has her sword out at first, but then she's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna wrestle this wolf. She leads the wolf out to open ground where she knows that she has a better shot. And... She lets the wolf knock her down so that she can knock over the witch's cauldron. I don't know how she knew that was going to work. I don't know how that did work, but it doesn't matter. The wolf jumps on top of her. 
and oh, did we just get a meet cute? Because guess who that wolf is? Yeah, it's Ruby in a super sexy outfit. I know, redundant, right? Oh, God, I missed you so much, Ruby. And this is an amazing meet cute. It would be really, really disappointing if this wasn't followed up on later, right? You're making me sad. Yeah, it would be. So Ruby's like, thank you for saving me. And Mulan's like, it was my pleasure. Yeah, basically. And Ruby reveals that she was in the world without magic and she knew a bunch of people Mulan briefly interacted with during season two. But then she realized that she was never going to have her own plot again. So she went off to another TV show. But now that TV show has been canceled. Yeah, so she ended up back in the Enchanted Forest where the witch enslaved her. Which, put a pin in that. Put a pin in the fact that this witch enslaved her. Also, when they're comparing who do you knows, Ruby's like, Oh, I know Aurora and Philip. They're married and happy and about to have a baby. Stab, 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 stab. Right? You need some salt in those wounds, Mulan? Just in case people don't listen to us all the time and also don't watch this show all the time, Mulan is desperately in love with Aurora, who's pregnant with Phelps' baby. Mm. Although we did sort of get a little bit of the impression, or at least I did, that Mulan was actually bi and started out with a thing for Philip and then ended up with a thing for both Philip and Aurora. That is 100% what happened. Also, she should have just made her feelings known because I feel like the three of them would have been a thruple and all three of them would have been cool with it. Oh yeah, they totally would have rolled with it. When Philip sacrificed himself to save Mulan and Aurora, he's like, you two need to take care of each other. And Philip had a, you loved him, didn't you? And she's like, yeah, I did. And you loved him and Aurora's like, yeah, I loved him. So, like, they could have made that work. They just needed to try a little bit. Mulan just needed to use her words. Anyway, we do this weird thing where we flash back to the moment right after Zelina was killed the first time. Just in case you didn't believe that it makes sense for Ruby to be back in the Enchanted Forest. Yes, and also so that all of the other main credited characters can get in at least a compulsory sentence or two. Oh, yeah. You know, contractually obligated sentence. Yes. So David's like, I'm glad all of you could join us here at the end of season three. We have defeated the Wicked Witch and are introducing baby Neil to everyone. So this is after the time travel adventure, everyone. But before the frozen season. All right. Everyone got that? So Ruby's standing a little off camera during this. And then the camera shifts so that we can see Ruby and Snow weirdly looking about two years older. Hmm. Strange that. But Snow's like, hey, Ruby, I I noticed you've been off camera for a while. What's up with that? Why why haven't you been on camera since like, gosh, what was it? 2014. Hmm. And Ruby's like, I'm not really happy in this town. It's like, there's nobody who's like me. I I just, I wish there was someone who is like me in this town for me to spend time with and be with. And Mary Margaret's like, so you want, you want to be around other werewolves? And Ruby's like, yeah, sure. That's what I meant. And she mentions that she's been spending a lot of time with Tiny. Hmm. That other guy you might've forgotten about. Yeah. And that the two of them managed to harvest a single magic bean. And would it be cool, I know you guys need magic beans all the time, but would it be cool if I used the only one you have to get the fuck off of this show? And Snow White's like, I think I'd be mad if you didn't. Ugh, barf. So, 
Ruby finishes telling the story to Milan because it was a flashback that was actually a story. And she's like, so I got back to the other land and I was looking for other werewolves, but I couldn't find them because that plot was, you know, dumb. And they all would have been pissed at me anyway because I killed the queen of the werewolves, who is also my mom. So maybe I should be the queen of the werewolves. But she should definitely be the queen of the werewolves. They're not interested in that story. So I went to a witch for help and she turned me into her slave slash bodyguard. It was all very stardust. We cut from that to Merida talking to the clan sons, and she's like, I know that you have, like, four hours to finish this quest, but you three should go out on this quest, and then you can rule the country, because clearly I'm too incompetent to get this done correctly. And Eleanor is there, and she's like, I would never bow down to Clan Macintosh. And it's like, Eleanor, what was your plan if he married Merida? Yeah, that's still kind of on the table. It's almost certainly what's going to happen, right? Did you see his pecs? Yeah. Honestly, even if they do the thing where it's still a contest, Merida's just going to be like, wet t-shirt contest for my hand! Uh, uh, Merida's groveling surrender gets interrupted by Mulan and Rupi, and Mulan's like, hey, look, I found a werewolf who can track the stupid cloak thing. Let's go. Merida's like, oh, I guess surrendering was dumb. Bye! And we cut from that to the day of the battle. Merida and Mulan are fighting in the morning. Mulan has led Merida far away from the battle to practice fight. You know, because you want to do that away from the battle. And Merida's like, oh shit, the battle's actually happening now, isn't it? Yep, she realizes that the whole time Mulan's job was just to keep her distracted so that she wouldn't go into battle. She could stay in the back like a real ruler. Mm. That's the message of this episode, right? Fergus is giving a speechy speech to his troops about how real armies don't hide their faces. They yell their names a whole bunch when they're about to fight dudes. And That sounds more like a cultural difference to me. Yeah. So they're going to go kick these this invading force's ass. And a battle scene starts. And it looks like a real fun Ren Faire, dudes. So anyway, the battle's going on and some dude is... Doing the longest walk up slowly behind Fergus to stab him ever. And Merida sees this and fires the arrow, but we all know how this goes because she told us. Yep. Turns out her heart wasn't into not seeing her dad die, so her dad totally gets stabbed from behind. It's gruesome! It's weirdly gruesome for once upon a time. There's like viscera and stuff. Yeah, it's br- he's stabbed through the back. It's brutal. Anyway, the... Helmed man steals the helmet and then raises his visor so that we can see. Oh my god! It's Arthur. Arthur was the one who killed Fergus, and yeah. Mulan kind of leads Merida away before Arthur conspicuously takes off his helmet to revel in the fact that he stabbed a dude and now has his helm. Yeah, yeah. In the present, Selena and Arthur are standing at the only lake. And Zelina is using her magic to pull the helm out of the lake. And then she starts floating it very slowly towards Arthur. It's almost as if she's doing it to give someone time to shoot it out of the air with an arrow. But we don't know anybody with arrows this episode. Oh, you know what? Mulan uses arrows. We saw Mulan use arrows exclusively as her weapon until she teamed up with Mary Margaret. And then she started using her sword because Mary Margaret's the one who uses arrows. Yeah, and... She's been using her sword this time because she's hanging around Merida now. Wow, poor Mulan. Yeah, she doesn't even get to choose her primary weapon. It's all defined by who's around her. 
Wow, she's got like a terminal case of sidekick-itis on this show. Not not even just sidekick-itis. You know what she has? What? She has wild-style syndrome. Yes, she should be the chosen one. She is the vastly more competent character who teaches the incompetent main character and then immediately gets overshadowed by them. She is the trinity of this show. So, blah, blah, blah. It turns out that the helm that King Fergus had in battle was actually just a regular helmet because he decided he didn't need to use magic to compel his troops to fight. And Merida's like, oh my god, character development. I'm getting all this character development. And Zelina channels me and she's like, oh my god, shut up. I don't care about any of this. Shut up, shut up, shut up. So, for once, me and Zelina actually kind of, you know, in sync. Weird, right? Does it feel weird? It feels weird and bad. It makes no sense that Arthur went into this long thing about it so Merida could have resolution on her plot. Right? Also, speaking of things that make no sense, Arthur explains that the reason he was in this land two years ago was because he was looking for magical items. He um, said specifically he was looking for the other half of his sword and then he heard about- He came to the- he came to Dunborough because he heard rumors that there was magic in Dunborough. There's magic fucking everywhere! You know what's notable about our world? The fact that there's no fucking magic? Yes, because there's magic everywhere! But specifically, he didn't know about the fucking helm. He's talking about it like he knew about the fucking helm, which he didn't. Where would he have heard about the helm? What? Oh my god. Who do we know whose superpower is gossip? Miss Ginger! Miss Ginger Watch 2018. Miss Ginger told him. Miss Ginger sent him a message in the Enchanted Realm about the magical helm. Wow, rhymey. I didn't mean to do that. Let's move on. So, Selena's like, can we just have a fucking fight scene already? So Merida is going to fight Arthur and, uh... Zelina is going to fight Mulan and Red, which sounds fucking awesome and is actually kind of underwhelming because it turns out, guess who's super fucking competent? Ruby? Ruby and Mulan. They make a really amazing team. So I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more of the two of them working together in the future. See, I was going to say that's why they can't be allowed on the show. Oh, yeah. No, that's a solid point. They're way too competent to be allowed on this show. Because Mulan pulls her sword on... uh, Zelina, and Zelina's like, oh, I'm gonna kick your ass, and Mulan's like, seriously, lady, like, I can deflect fireballs, I already fought your mom, you mean nothing to me. But before she even has the chance to deflect a single fireball, Ruby's like, boom, sleeping powder, bitch! Yeah, Zelina pops a fireball, she takes one step, and Ruby sidelines her. It's pretty great. It is pretty great. Now, they don't, unfortunately, do the thing they should do, which is, you know... Have Ruby eat her while she's unconscious. Yeah, I know. In fact, they give her back to Arthur. In fact, they wake her up to give her back to Arthur. She is fucking unconscious here. She's going to be awake in a few seconds. But she's like this weird drugged awake where she's awake, but she can't really stand on her own power. Yeah, they're uh, they're weekend at Bernie in her. Weekend at Bernie's. No. Bernie's. Weekend at Bernie's in her. Yes. Weekend at Bernie's in her. There you go. But Merida is successfully fighting off Arthur. And then she notices the helm, and he's like, Yeah, dive for the helm in the middle of a sword fight. That's just the advantage I need. But unfortunately for him, 
he does not have magic. Pointy sticks are effective against him, and three dudes with pointy sticks just showed up. Yep, the three leaders of the clans have shown up, and they're like, oh, Merida, we are totally ready to bend the knee now. Yeah, they're like, hey, Merida, you remember how a few days ago we were totally going to kill your brothers and take your country? Our bad. We're cool now. Because when we saw how quickly you were willing to surrender, that made us realize that you were the true queen of Dunbrook. Yep. Arthur and Zelina bamf away yeah, Zelina- because we're done with their plot. Yeah, Zelina recovered from being unconscious enough to be like, oh my god, y'all teleportation! And she bamps herself and Arthur away. Speaking of the Once Upon a Time writers, literally what happened is, they were like, we need to get rid of Zelina and Arthur. And someone's like, we just knocked Zelina unconscious. And some other writer was like, well, have her be awake but groggy and bamf them away. And that's what they did. So now Merida has the helm and the hot son of the clans is like, you are the one true queen. We will follow you anywhere. And Merida's like, neat. So we go from that to Merida's coronation 2.0. Yes. She has now been officially queened. She has made it to the other side of the chessboard. Yes. And so the witch shows up and she's like, and the witch is like, hey, lady, where's my stuff? And Merida's like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to give you the helm because it's super evil to mind control people. So do your worst and the end. Yeah. Like, go ahead. Shoot your curse. I don't give a shit. And Elnar's like, really? Because it seems like we went through a whole bunch of stuff. And the witch is like, ah, that was the correct choice. Okay, let's take a pin out of the fact that she enslaved Ruby. Mm. She totally looked around, realized she was outnumbered and doesn't actually have that much magic, and was like, um, good! This was all a test! I support your queenship! Yeah, it turns out that your dad actually asked me to set up this super convoluted situation where you'd have to recover the helm but then refuse to give it to me to prove that you were worthy of being queen and Eleanor's like that sounds like a fresh batch of bullshit and the witch is like ah my specialty yes she's like ah but since you figured it out you get to be queen and I'm not going to turn anyone into a bear but I am going to give you magic ale that'll let you have resolution with your father it'll let you talk to the ghost of your father and have your special end of return of the jedi moment yes yes because merida has completed the quest she also gets to roll on the random magical item table and she comes up with magic beer yep and we get a scene of the hot clan son raising his fist into the air so we can see how ripped the actor is as he cheers for Queen Merida. And Merida's kind of smiling at that. Yeah, this was it was a really female gazy shot. Yeah, definitely. I'm here for it. So we cut to Merida at her father's grave and she's like, so you two, what are you going to do? And Mulan's like, well, it seems like we're going to go off and have pretty awesome sapphic adventures and ruby's like it sure seems like that's what's going to happen oh so sad so sad sorry mulan but the only one who fucks you is the universe yep mulan tells merida that she loved someone once and she waited until it was too late and she very specifically avoids pronouns it occurs to me that we don't actually really find out what her deal like she never 
explicitly states who she was into. At this point in Once Upon a Time, when it was originally airing, they were telling us that there was going to be an explicitly lesbian love story. So they are definitely ship-teasing Ruby and Mulan here, even though, sorry guys, it's not Endgame. Which makes me think that maybe they just couldn't get Jamie Chung back later? Because what was she so busy doing? I, I don't know. Jamie Chung has worked a lot. Not necessarily in good stuff, but she has had a fairly consistent career. Who's so busy they can't come kiss Megan Ori? Point. But the resolution we get with Ruby really, really feels slapped together. We do get resolution with Ruby later. It's just... God, does it feel thrown together last second. It really does. It's it's not nearly as satisfying as it would have been if she had ended up with Mulan. Yeah. I'm sorry to people who like the ship that ends up happening with Ruby. It's fine. It's just... It's There's nothing wrong with it. It's just not as earned. Yeah. It's just... It's not built up enough. Mulan and Ruby go off into the sunset where we can imagine them happy together. And Merida pours out an enchanted one for her homies. And uh, her dead dad appears and he's like, Hey, don't waste that ghost beer. And she, she's all, what made you n- choose not to use the mind control crown? And he's like, because I already led a bunch of dudes into battle without it, so why would I use it? Why would I even have it as an object other than to teach you some weird abstract lesson about true leadership? Honestly, the whole, the fact, you're right, the fact that the helm exists is weird. It's weird and weird, but whatever. It got us to our awesome fairy tale girl game. Yeah. And that's basically it. Yep, Merida gets to hug her dad one last time and also to vow revenge on Arthur. Yeah, I'm sure something will come of that. But anyway, that was this episode. I was afraid it was going to be terrible because I don't know if you've caught this, but we don't really care for Merida that much. But this episode was good. You know why? They brought us Mulan and Ruby. Also, stuff actually happened. And you know what this episode really proved? That the Merida sh- wasn't the problem? No, that the show needs to have filler. I thought you were going to say the show needs to have mashups. Oh, also that. But yeah, this show basically added nothing to the main plot. In fact, we're taking a, we took a really, really heavy break from the main plot. You know what? I think in other seasons of Late Once Upon a Time, this episode would not be filler. It would be wheel spinning. Like, it's okay to not advance the plot as long as you're giving us a different story. Hmm. Like, the Peter Pan season would have nothing happen to advance the plot, and also nothing happen. Yes. And we're going to get a whole bunch of that in the Hell season. Oh, God. But this was like a breath of fresh air, and I didn't even have to talk about Hook, who I'm rapidly growing to loathe. I didn't even notice he was gone. Yeah. Do you think that's a good thing? Mm. So let's talk about fashion. All right. Because Ruby was here, even though... Ruby's outfit I'm not even going to comment on. Well, it was another take on her peasant outfit, but, you know, Megan Orley is some sort of... I'm assuming at Megan Orley's birth, like, three fairies showed up and gave her, like... All of the gifts? Supernatural beauty and the ability to pull off literally any outfit. Yes. Yes. So, you you know whose outfit I really did like? Merida's battle dress. I loved Merida's battle dress. Yeah, it looked functional. Yeah. And it was a functional thing that also looked like something Merida would wear. It was on model for Merida, but also I could totally wear it into a fight. Yeah. Yeah. So, good job on her. And negative points to Eleanor. 
I don't get what they were going with her. Uh, she, it looked like she got all of the costumes they didn't have room to fit in other places. It really did. It, it looked very... It's it, thrown together. Yeah, it didn't look like it was made for Eleanor. It didn't look like... It didn't look like they considered who Eleanor was when they made that outfit. And I think that's pretty much exactly what happened. Yeah. Also, not great fake hair this episode. This was not a good episode for fake hair. Oh, man. Or alternatively, it was a very good episode for fake hair, depending on how much you like fake hair. Well, if fake hair wants to make its fake presence known... Then it it really did its job. Ugh. I guess that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Next episode, we are getting, sadly, back into the main plot. Yes, uh, enjoy your hook respite while it lasts, because the next episode is Broken Heart. And the Netflix summary is, when the darkness enters Hook and he clashes with Emma, the final pieces of the puzzle fall into place as events in Camelot catch up to the present. So that's it for us this week. This show is partially listener-supported. If you would like to be one of those supporters, you can go over to our website, ilovetelevisionzines.com, and click on our Patreon link. You could also check out past episodes while you're there. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can also rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. We can also be contacted at ilovetvzines on Twitter or at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke. Mr.